welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Tuesday morning here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, Barton Simmons joins the show as he is a host of the show. I am Chip Patterson. Um, we've got like the training camps winding down. Quarterbacks are being named as starters all over the country. We are going to get to Clemson. We are going to get to Utah. Uh, we've got an interesting game that I think that all the listeners will enjoy. Some college football trades. What if there were trades in college football? What are some ones that we think would be uh, interesting? Who would benefit? Uh, and of course, the AP Top 25 was released on Monday. Now, we're going to get into some of our thoughts on that. But first, Barton, man, I am upset that I am not a Nebraska football player because Mike Riley took the whole <laughs> daggone team to the Kendrick Lamar concert. Yeah, I mean, what a guy that Mike Riley is. What a what a just a nice chap. I saw somebody, uh, I, I, I got a, I don't know who, I can't credit them specifically, but I saw on Twitter someone retweeted it and said, uh, meanwhile, Nick Saban gave his team tickets to practice. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, yeah, way to go, Mike. Yep, all right, good job. They're going to Kendrick Lark. Uh, but, uh, uh, man, this is, yeah, hey, it's just, we're still in camp right now, aren't we? This is uh, this is like the evolution. All right, because, you know, this is the, oh, well, like the guys are getting tired of hitting each other. Like we're at that point in the calendar where I would say like four years ago, it was Kevin Sumlin brings everyone together. He acts like they're about to go through gassers. And then he's like, surprise, guys, it's an ice cream truck. Or like someone else comes <laughs> in and like surprises them with, oh, you get to go to the movies. Like we're going right, to go right. see Fast and the Furious 5. But no, I mean, this is one up in the game. Mike Riley coming out with a stack of Kendrick and like to the to the damn world tour. I mean, he's he's obviously trying to recruit California. That's all I got to say about that. That's that's another great point, man. Like they are trying to get into California <laughs> and rolling in with like three inches of Kendrick Lamar tickets and tweeting it out is uh, that's a good way to 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 win some hearts and minds out there. Uh, yeah, it's it is funny, man. Like this is uh, some of the old school uh, Bo Schimbecklers. Woody Hayes of the world would be disgusted with the current <laughs> culture, just out here like trying to trying to make people cry with walk-on announcements, trying to go viral with uh, with with loving up your team. Um, but hey, man, you, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, I, I, you know, I, that's that is that's a hell of a power move. Digging right? up that many tickets to a, <laughs> to a concert, so I was impressed. Oh man, he must he must know that uh, Nebraska is going six and six this year. He's got to get <laughs> got to really got to really work hard on that 2018 recruiting class. All right, so uh, training camp is winding down, and uh, and and more than anything, you know, we're that would mean the end. Oh my goodness, I, I can't even think about it. I don't even want to imagine what the end of the uh, the camp buzz. But do you have one more camp buzz for us? Yes. Yeah, I can't I, I can't miss any opportunities for the jingle. So I'm going to do one more camp buzz. Uh, we're going out to Alabama. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, oh, yeah, give it to me. Okay. Players that are making a buzz. Camp, camp buzz. Camp, camp buzz. Camp, camp buzz. 
talking about players that are buzzing. I'm going to be like out at like San Jose State digging up their third string cornerback battle or something midseason just to keep the camp buzz jingle going. Uh, all right. We're, but we are going to go high profile for this one. We're going to go to Alabama. Uh, and the right tackle job has been a battle throughout. And there's, a, there's sort of a new name in the mix right now for it. Jedrick Wills, who's a true freshman who – is not an early enrollee who came in the summer and is in a position maybe to win a starting job over Matt Womack, who's the the more experienced returner, uh, not a ton of experience there either. Uh, but right tackle is sort of where Alabama would need to find somebody. And everyone thought maybe that guy was going to be Alex Leatherwood, who was a five-star early enrollee, just like specimen of a man at offensive tackle. And this Judge Wills is no no slouch either. I mean, he came in a top fifty recruit in the country, uh, but it looks like he is surpassing Leatherwood and might surpass Womack as the starting right tackle. And if it happens, that's three out of the last four years a true freshman will be starting on the offensive line at Alabama. Um, anywhere else in the country, that might be a concern, but that just is is evidence of just how well Alabama recruits because they're those guys are playing would, at a high level so would that be uh, last year it was jonah williams right jonah williams was last year and then uh cam robinson started as a true freshman uh would have been what three years ago now so again that's uh you know probably a bunch of guys that ended up being first round draft picks so it's it's again it's not a bad thing but it's it's just a pretty it's hard man that just shows you how competitive it is at alabama alex leatherwood rolls in there as uh, you know, maybe the best offensive tackle in the class, according to, to to a lot of people, and he may get out beat out by someone in you know in his own recruiting class. So it's uh, man, it, it is a daily battle at Alabama to to get on the football field. When you when you see that um, for for when you're scouting um, offensive linemen and you're starting to uh, try and project out what they're gonna be and you're assigning your ratings, like they're there is the like your actual sizes, but then also your technique and whether or not you think they're going to be able to come in and have an instant impact. How many times do you find yourself surprised by the development a player can have maybe from uh, when you assign your last grades to when they show up on the field in the fall? Well, I think offensive lineman is the one that probably surprises the most. And again, this kid was according to the 24/7 sports composite he was 34th in the country so he he's you know again like no shock. slouch like this is yeah, this, like this yeah. is alabama like these guys are all phenomenal but it's definitely at offensive line i think is the toughest position to really get a firm grasp of who's going to be ready right away because so much of it is is who's mentally tough enough who's who's actually got the the demeanor the physicality the competitiveness but also, who's smart enough? Because offensive line, more so than, than just about anywhere other than maybe, I mean, obviously quarterback, but other than maybe, I don't know, middle linebacker. I mean, offensive line is one of the most mentally challenging positions out there. And if you're missing a, uh, an assignment, you, you're getting a quarterback injured. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's a big part of it. And Jedrick Wills is, is probably more polished right now than Alex Leatherwood. That probably uh, matters. Uh, but he's also a big physical, you know, road grader too. So 
It's uh, yeah. I mean, Alabama's in good shape for years to come with the offensive line with this class they just brought in. Six five three fifteen is not a small small human being for eighteen years old. Eighteen years old. Yeah. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Um. All right. At we mentioned it earlier. At Clemson, Dabo Sweeney has named Kelly Bryant the starting quarterback. As we've been talking about uh, the Clemson Tigers, as we've been talking about uh, the quarterback battles across the country, that is sort of the way that we saw this one breaking out. Zarek Cooper, according to Swinney, will start out as the number two. Hunter Johnson, not far behind him. Um, where any any big surprises or reactions from what we're hearing coming out of Death Valley? No, I mean that's exactly what I thought would happen in this one. I think some people came in and expected Hunter Johnson to be the starter and win that job. And I think, I mean, one of our first shows, I, I think that I, I, I said that that would shock me because while he's a talented passer, uh, he's, he's just, I don't think he's ready for the bright lights just yet. And so this is, you know, I think the pecking order is about what I thought it would be. And now we get to see if that Clemson offense is, you know, can click without a Deshaun Watson or a freak under center. Uh, I think it still will, um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think that this is a this is what we expected, and I think Clemson's still going to be really good because of it. Um, I think Kelly Bryant brings a running element to the game that uh, that none of those other guys do, um, at least on the roster. So I think they'll still be sort of a dual threat type of of guy under center for them. Isn't uh, Tavian Feasters our guy to watch? as potential breakout like I feel like I know Deion Kane and as long as Deion Kane is able to get on the field and isn't having any discipline issues and last time I checked in with Clemson's coaches they were very excited about what he was going to be I mean the guy's still just a superstar Hunter Renfro is going to be able to find open space all over the field he'll be a great security blanket for Kelly Bryant but uh it is Feaster the one of the names that you think we'll be talking about a little bit more um as as the season rolls on I hope so. He was a five star for us at running back, and and I, you know he's a <clears throat> like a ten four hundred meter guy. He's really fast. He had thousand yards rushing, thousand yards receiving in high school. So he's really versatile. He just need to figure out the blocking scheme and stuff. The the kid that it sounds like really maybe can keep an eye on as well is uh, Travis Etienne out of Louisiana, true freshman. He's jumped into the the mix of the running back position too. He's another freaky fast athletic. Uh, pass catcher versatile kid and you know all of a sudden he's going to be in the mix at running back too so I think the the point being in that is is we're going to have the reason I'm so bullish on Clemson and in our in our ACC preview I picked them to win the the ACC I, I just think that they've got so many like everyone just think, looks at all the guys that are gone but they just have they have like waves of these athletes that they've been recruiting that are going to roll in there and and be just fine offensively. Um, people are going to be checking their programs uh, for the first few games, figuring out who these dudes are that are making all these plays. Is that DeAndre Hopkins or T Higgins? Oh, that's T Higgins <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot he's a superstar too. Yeah. Oh, oh Mari Rogers, true freshman. Oh, yeah. okay. Wow, he looks like uh, the next great one out of the slot. Oh, Cornell Powell. Who's that guy? What's that guy's name? So it's like, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of that, and uh, especially on offense. And so it's going to be, I think, just more of the same at Clemson. I, I here's, I'll, uh, I'll make a, I'll make a bold prediction. I. I think that we will see uh, a lot of the offense played on the perimeter, which isn't, I mean, it's not a bad thing at all. Uh, but I do think that, man, they, they might miss Wayne Gallman unless 
they just throw Christian Wilkins in as their short yardage back, <laughs> which which is possible. Which that, we, I mean, that is what Wayne Gallman gave them, though. Man, he gave them a real physical between the tackles presence. That guy played linebacker. I mean, he I thought he was going to be a linebacker in college, and that was his. Uh, and and so he came with that linebacker mentality, running back. C.J. Fuller would probably have to be that that version of him uh, on offense this year because I don't know that Tavian Feaster is that sort of a physical guy, and and Travis Etienne isn't either. So C.J. Fuller has to be that between the tackles guy. But yeah, I, I think that makes sense, Chip, to to see a lot more of that perimeter stuff. And and I think having a quarterback that maybe is even more of a run first guy than Deshaun Watson was may may give them a little bit of that element too to keep defenses honest right exactly because you're, you're going to be able to stretch him out and as long as kelly bryant can make the right reads and pick the right spots then you're just going to be able to pick them apart because it's not like you're going to leave any one of these superstar wide receivers you're not going to leave a cornerback on an island stretched all the way out to the field yeah they're, they're they that offense is going to be they're, they're, it'll be humming i mean they're going to be there anyone's worried about clemson's offense uh, stop because they're going to be fine. <laughs> um, a much, I, I don't want to say a much more surprising. I will say that I was surprised at Utah to see Tyler Huntley named as the, as the starting quarterback for the Utes. Uh, the sophomore quarterback beat out returning starter, Troy Williams. He also beat out Cooper Bateman, though. I will say that I didn't give Cooper Bateman much of a chance of winning that no. job. Um, you know, I, I, I look at Utah, and it's really interesting. We had to turn in our Pac-12 uh, predicted order of finish, and I think that on our Pac-12 over-under conversations, you know, we were sort of almost copying and pasting our, our Utah expectations from, from season to season. They're going to be salty yep. on defense. They're going to be great on special teams. They're going to figure out a way to get just enough on offense. And so when I get this surprise of, uh, of Tyler Huntley – getting named the starter uh i i don't change my prediction i still think utah is set to be number two right there in the pac-12 south i don't know if they're going to make a run at usc but man i like it doesn't seem to matter who that quarterback is and i'm still going to have the same expectations like am i am i just being uh am i being a lazy journalist as the uh, haters <laughs> on twitter might say no i mean I, I i mean first of all i agree like i'm with you that it was a I mean, while I think we or I expected that that was a real competition between Troy Williams and Tyler Huntley, I I am a little surprised that Huntley w- wins it because Troy Williams played all last year and he has more of experience. And um, I guess the, they're bringing in a new offensive system this year to where maybe those guys start a little bit more on equal footing. And and I think Tyler Huntley, I remember him from high school. He is a talented kid and, and I, we really liked him going up to Utah uh, and and I, you know I think this team I, I mean I'm, I think they're still yeah the number two team in the, the Pac-12 South I think they're gonna beat some teams that the, people don't realize they're gonna beat they're gonna be more explosive than they have been in a while offensively because of the scheme they're putting in and they're still gonna do all the things we know them to do special teams and defense so I, I think Tyler Huntley while that's a little bit of an upset for him to win that job, I, they've been excited about him from the day he set foot on campus, and I think he's going to surprise some people how talented and how, how good he is under center because that dude can whip the ball around the field. I mean, he, he's got a quick release that fits that system. 
that is uh, that's going to be uh, he's going to put up some big numbers. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's Troy Williams, Travis Wilson, or whoever. I mean, nine and four, ten and three, nine and four, last three seasons, three straight top twenty-five finishes. Like I, I'm I feel pretty comfortable with understanding and- where Utah's at right now. I agree, and Chip. They're, like they're, the the question has always been off offensively. Like they're they've been just always inconsistent offensively in all those years. Like all those all those ten win nine win years, they kind of grind out the wins, and it's been offensive question marks and and inconsistencies and turnovers and those sort of things that hurt them. If this offense, this new offense from Eastern Washington, or, or comes in and is is I don't know is is better or, or as good as as they hope it is i mean what if this is a really what if this turns out to be one of the better offenses in the pac-12 do you have any like it, they suddenly become i think a real contender so that that's a i think that's a really interesting storyline to watch this fall is is does utah become a really dynamic explosive hard to stop offensive team because we all know what they're going to do on defense and uh, if they can become that all of a sudden, USC's got some company down there. Oh, my goodness. All right. I've been very, very excited about this ever since we pitched it uh, around as our uh, as, as our big, you know, we, we sat down for a brainstorming session. We were tossing around ideas of uh, some fun conversation topics leading into the preseason. I mean, you know, you can only over over under win total but so much. You can only buzz but so many times. And I, I like this one. This is a this is a good conversation topic. There are not trades in college football, but if there were trades in college football, we as the commissioners, Barton Simmons and Chip Patterson, would want to make sure that they are fair. So we are going to be each other's trade machine. We are going to be the league office because we have sat down and we have proposed some trades. And I have tried to make my my trades as fair as possible. Some of it was absolutely selfish because of maybe uh, a weakness in one team that I would like to see addressed an injury that maybe has taken place recently where we might be able to have someone to fill. Uh, but in, in general, I kind of felt like I was, I, I was trying to make sure that everyone benefited from this Barton or any, what did you, t- what were your takeaways before we jump into this, just from sitting down and having fun with this thought experiment? Yes. First of all, I loved this experiment. I'm, I could do this all day, all night, just try to make both teams better. I, that, that's, I, I looked at it from who are teams that are real national title contenders, but maybe are missing a piece and could get that piece to to get back to the national title you know, mix. Uh, I, I, like you, tried to make them as fair and equitable on both sides. I tried to make them trades that the coaches, staff, the fan base would, would be on board with on both sides. Uh, but I'm sure that not everyone's going to agree with that. And I'll be very anxious to hear your thoughts on them. And for the record, neither of us have yet reviewed or seen these trade proposals. So we're going we're gonna to re- respond to them uh, in real time here. All right. You get to go first. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure where to begin here. Let me st- I mean, I, I'm just going to start from the top, I guess. Um, I didn't – so I, I'm going to make a, a deal with the devil here. I'm going to make a uh, – Clemson Alabama trade. They just met each other in a national title game. Mm. Uh, They could very well meet in the national title game this year. 
And I think that's more likely if this trade goes through here. So let me propose this chip. Clemson gets – I'll start with Alabama. Alabama gets Clemson starting left tackle Mitch Hyatt. Mm, okay. And cornerback Trayvon Mullen, who is Ooh. expected to start this year, I believe, uh, for the first time and is you know was a true freshman last year. Uh, former high-level high recruit, and uh, and he's expected to start a corner. Alabama, or Clemson gets Jedrick Wills, who we talked about earlier, the, the battling right tackle right now, and Jalen Hurts. <laughs> and that, let me, before you, so let me just explain my thought process here, okay? Because Alabama's got Tua. Alabama's got Tua. So if they lose Hurts, that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't really hurt them necessarily. I mean, it is, it, you know, maybe it does. I don't know how they, what they think about the difference in quarterbacks inside the rooms there, but they they will be, in my opinion, just as good with her, with with Tua back there. Okay, right. so no real, in my opinion, no major loss there in Hurts. Uh, Jedrick Wills, kid might not even win a job. Okay, and and he's a. And they are, still have Matt Womack and Alex Leatherwood to back him up if, if, if they leave. So they could be so they're losing two guys, and they're okay. Now that's just sort of Alabama. They could probably pick anyone off the roster, and they'd be okay. Uh, but they do need another proven tackle. That right tackle spot, you know, hey, they're about to play maybe a true freshman. They, Mitch Hyatt's uh, been playing since he was a freshman. That guy's got like 36 snap starts on his, under his belt, it feels like. He's one of the most... Yes, one of the most solid offensive tackles out there. So if you put him on Alabama's team and have Jonah Williams and Mitch Hyatt as your bookends, that's the best bookend in, in college football. And then Trayvon Mullen gives them some more depth at the defensive back position. Cornerback, that's a spot they're still figuring things out. Trayvon Diggs uh, may or may not be the answer. You know, Is Tony Brown a nickel? Is he a corner? They just got some – they need another body in there that's really reliable at the very least for depth reasons. So, I, I've you know, I figured this one, if if this trade goes through, I think that both teams are are all of a sudden favorites to meet in the national title game. All right, Give that, me your thoughts. No, oh, yeah, I I can approve it mostly because two is there. Um, I I think the Trayvon Mullins an interest interesting addition here. You know where, where it was like, were you going through? all of Clemson's defensive backs and trying to figure out who you were willing to give up. Was it that? Yeah, yeah I, I was. And I wanted, and at first I gave him Mark Fields because he's, he's like a backup, but I think it looks, I mean, I, and I don't even, maybe, maybe Trayvon Mullen's not even starting. I haven't seen the depth chart, but he's going to play significantly. And I thought that with Jalen Hurts being gone, you need really two starters for that. Cause that guy is, that guy changes Clemson. And the other thing I, I thought too, was it doesn't hurt Clemson as much to lose a Mitch Hyatt because of their offensive system is not quite as reliant on just bulldozing offensive linemen as Alabama's is. So I thought they could take that hit a little bit better. Uh, but I just thought Jalen Hurts was such a huge addition, critical addition for Clemson, that, that they could give, stand to give up a couple of starters for him. Mm, all right. Well, I got to start. I'm going to start with a one-for-one. This was uh, okay. this this is the think the, the thinking here, and this is where I started. I was thinking that uh, these two players remind me a lot of each other. One of them, however, is really just starting to become a college football star uh, for a team 
that uh, is certainly rising and in a position where uh, they want to capitalize on the way they finished last year. The other team, you know, if uh, if they get someone with a little bit more eligibility, then uh, then maybe he'll be able to grow with his new targets. A one-for-one, quarterback-for-quarterback, Trace McSorley goes to meet up with Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield makes Penn State a national championship team. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. So your what is your thought? Your thought process is what? That, that Lincoln Riley is going to do what he's going to do regardless of the quarterback. Because doesn't – isn't that technically a downgrade at quarterback at Oklahoma? Yes, technically. Okay. But okay. I'm thinking that since you've got more eligibility, you're building from the start where, like, Saquon Barkley is going to be gone. I got you. And, you, right. and so like, you're if you're long Penn, term. Yeah, I'm thinking long term. I'm thinking that Penn State's trying to capitalize right now this season that Mayfield is a better McSorley. Moxie Mayfield is better than Moxie McSorley. And that Oklahoma, having already experienced so much turnover, could go ahead and get started on building the next group to peak next season. Okay. I approve the trade. I think this is an interesting trade because what Penn State loves about Trace McSorley is that ability to extend plays, that ability to have instincts inside the pocket. And you're right. Baker Mayfield is like the 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 Trace McSorley 2.0 edition. Like it's he's just a he is that much more dynamic uh, than Trace. Here's the one caveat. You know, we're looking at these guys on paper. If I'm the GM of Penn State, I'm not sure I'm ready to get to to let McSorley go because of how well he fits into their culture there as just like a blue collar, uh, you know, soft, you know, soft spoken sort of kid. And whereas Baker Mayfield comes in, he's sort of more of the Hollywood guy. Like mm-hmm. he's more of like the uh, you know, wear the fancy suit and, and, you know, be dancing in warm ups with his headphones on and that kind of stuff. Like, uh, I just, you know, there might be a disruption in the locker room there with a, with new face in there, but that's, that might be going a little too next level with my evaluation, but that's, that's definitely a, uh, an interesting, an interesting take there. All right. What do you have? All right. So I'm going to go another one with, uh, this is a, a rivalry trade here. I'm going to go – we're going to do Michigan and Ohio State. going to get together for a deal. Nice. All right. Ohio State gets and, – and I'll start this too. When I was going through this, this exercise, I looked at, all right, what programs have a weakness that, they, that needs to be addressed in the trade market? And Ohio State was the one program – where I was like, they don't really have any. Like, what do they need? They and and I dug a little. And I think that offensive line probably is is still an area that could be better at Ohio State. But that I mean, but I the but the more I did this exercise, the more I'm confident I am in Ohio State being a national title contender, just because they're not missing much. But they are. I think Michigan is missing something, and Ohio State has something to provide Michigan, and and Ohio State. You know, if it, they'll they'll take some extra some extra talent here, so Michigan needs a quarterback. Yeah, 
Ohio State has three or four. Yeah, quarterbacks. Who, which 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 Ohio State quarterback <laughs> are you going to give? Because man, Ohio State's got some leverage here in this negotiation. Right. Okay, so I think Ohio State, and and what's our like the problem with Ohio State with, with Michigan's quarterback room right now? In part, from what we understand, is that Brandon Peters might be the most talented, but he's not necessarily a hardball guy yet. He's not necessarily having the the huddle presence and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I think. A good fit is Joe Burrow, who is a coach's son, college coach's son, who's a just a, a, a outstanding thrower, accurate guy, sound under center. I think he stabilizes that Michigan offense and gives them everything they need. And you ship him to, to Michigan, that kid, as good as he is, he might not ever be the starter at Ohio State. So let's get some value out of him if you're Ohio State, because after this year, Dwayne Haskins might beat Joe Burrow out. So get rid of one of those guys. Get some value in return. And I think if you throw in another position that Ohio State is just stacked in his defensive line, if you throw in a guy like, say, Jonathan Cooper, who's a, who's a backup second or third teamer, who's a former five-star who would start for 95% of teams in college football, if you throw in him with Joe Burrow, two potential Back career backups, then maybe Michigan would be willing to part with a Mason Cole, who's like a do everything offensive lineman. Maybe Michigan's best offensive lineman, but he can he can play guard, he can play center, he can play tackle, and that shores up maybe that right guard spot for Ohio State that they're messing around with, and gives an offensive line that wasn't necessarily a strength last year, gives them a little bit more. Uh, stability and, and toughness because I think Michigan's got some guys back there that can backfill with Mason Cole. So what, what do you think? Oh, denied just on rivalry spite. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I Like the Ohio State quarterback room is like one of those spots where you brought this up on a podcast before and it's been sort of kicking around in my head for a while. Um, the, the places that have been able to accumulate large amounts of talent, uh, it is – like I'm almost on transfer watch, right? Like transfer or like convert to wide receiver watch. Like there's there's just uh, yeah. you know I guess you know Urban Meyer's obviously been able to manage it and he's been able to figure out ways to to you know get through it and he's had some some injuries to players to where you've obviously had to go all the way down to Cardale Jones during the national championship season, but um, it's it is quarterbacks want to play. You know, there's well, there's not a lot that are willing to to sit back and just never be a starter. Well, there's got to be some casualties in next year's battle because at this point, the, I think these guys sort of knew what they're getting into. Sure, maybe they hoped that JT Barrett had an NFL type of year last year and went pro, but and and they, it also helps that a guy like Joe Burrow is an in-state kid that's gonna you know have a, a be inclined to stick around. Uh, Dwayne Haskins knew what he was getting into with a loaded quarterback room. He could have gone to Maryland and been the starter there right now if he wanted to. He chose this. So I think they've got this year to, to at least work through this. Uh, but then again, like this is, this is a perk. And if this was truly like a possibility to do these sort of things, this would be a perfect opportunity to get value now out of a kid that is really good, but may never start for you. Um, so I, that, that's why I kind of love this exercise. You could, I mean, that, this would be awesome. <laughs> how how much faith do you have in Jimbo Fisher as a quarterback developer? A lot. I'm asking a lot from Jimbo Fisher here 
because Jimbo is going to go back to LSU and not as a head coach. Oh, wait, are you tra- are you trading? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Well, I, I, you blew my mind there for a second that you were trading head coaches. No, 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 no. Head coaches are not involved in any of my <laughs> trades. But he's going to take DeAndre Francois, and he's going to take Josh Sweat, and then he's going to come out of Baton Rouge with a haul built for the future. DeAndre Francois and Josh Sweat for Miles Brennan, Kayla Von Chasen, and DJ Chark. Wow. I had to okay. throw in DJ Chark because putting uh, going from DeAndre Francois to trying to figure it out between Miles Brennan and J.J. Cosentino is asking a lot for Florida State. Okay. This trade, if you're presenting this trade at like the mid-year trade deadline when like after Florida State's already gotten beat by Alabama – and after they've already gotten upset by NC State or somebody, and now all of a sudden their national title hopes are dwindling, then I'm much more inclined to be excited about this trade. But as things stand right now, Florida State's sitting on the number three AP ranking, a can't pretty lose, can't reasonable lose odds to play a national title <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, like yeah. That would be... I don't know that the Florida State fan base would be too excited about shipping out their their uh, sweetheart quarterback, DeAndre Francois, for the future of Miles Brennan. Because Chasen and Sweat are a little bit of a push. You get one extra year with Chasen than you do a Sweat. Uh, certainly it would be nice to get Chart because they could use uh, – that was what uh, an area that I sort of identified in this exercise to trying to find yeah, Florida State. Florida State wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, man, I don't know. Like that's A, that's a lot of confidence in Miles Brennan, and B, that is probably mortgaging this season for the hope of, of two – I, I don't know, man. He might I, get denied. I might, I might be denying this one. Because they could be – they could be. I mean, Francois is expected if, – if Thursday's season goes as they hope, DeAndre Francois is going to take them to a national title game and head off to the NFL next year. Yeah. So you'll take a national – or a national title to – even to have a, you know, maybe a down year next year. Okay. I, I was just – I was looking and I was just thinking about – uh, I, was, I was thinking about what was there at LSU. LSU needs I st- the starting point for that one was let's get LSU a new quarterback, right? And right. yes, and it did my brain connect Francois because of the potential because of his last name and Jimbo Fisher because of his LSU history. <laughs> Maybe that's that that's yeah that's that's a great cultural uh, cultural <laughs> fit there. All right, uh, what you got? Right. I, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna also go Florida State here, and I'm gonna make a deal with Penn State. Mm. And here's here's my thinking. Penn State, their offense is going to be fine. I, I, Joe Moorhead's going to be – he's going to t- take care of them. And, uh, and and I'm not worried about what they're going to be able to produce offensively. Uh, defensively, they've got some players, but they could really use uh, an athletic outside linebacker. I think that's an area where they're a little bit outmanned. That's an area where they could use a little more depth. I think if Penn State – could could get Matthew Thomas for Florida State on the trading block. They could 
Florida State could get a king's ransom for him. I, I think maybe like, say Florida State goes and, and gets one of Penn State's best offensive linemen. I'm not even sure who their best offensive line would be. I, I put Ryan Bates down. Uh, but let's say because that's an area Florida State needs to get better too. Agreed. Offensive yeah, line, absolutely. So let's say Florida State goes and gets Ryan Bates or whoever they basically their choice of Penn State's offensive line because this is another offensive system that's a spread system at Penn State. They, you know, their offense has got depth for the first time under James Franklin. They can absorb that blow, and then they also get their receiver of choice. Oh, but who I'm is going, the receiver of choice? I'm gonna go and Mike Gesicki's off the block here. He's not uh, he's not up for uh, for trade. But I'm all going American maybe, tight end. You can't you yeah. can't lose your safety blanket for Moxie McSorley. So I'm going maybe Juwan Johnson, mm-hmm. who is I'm not sure he's their best receiver right now, but he's he has made massive strides this offseason. He's like a six five, two hundred and twenty five pound outside receiver that is just a he's sort of that guy that's. I think in some ways a, a Kelvin Benjamin can be a Kelvin Benjamin type of guy for Florida State. So if Florida State gets Ryan Bates or offensive lineman of choice and Juwan Johnson or wide receiver of choice and Penn State gets Matthew Thomas, can you, can you get on board with that one? I think Penn State might deny that. Here's why. Matthew Thomas, shoulder, you got injury history, right? He's had some injuries, yeah. We got some suspension history. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, I got I see too many red flags. Listen, Matthew But Th- he is but he's hung around though. He Matthew has, Thomas he has, has been like a borderline five star bust for a couple of years. And now all of a sudden we're in his senior season and he's twenty two years old. Yeah, dude, it's time for him for sure. And I think that kind of athleticism ejected into the Penn State defense would be would make a world of difference. Um so I don't know. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe they reject this, but I, I I like it. I like it. That's that's a good point for where Penn State can improve because so much of the Penn State uh, analysis and so much of the Penn State conversation focuses on uh, those many offensive weapons and not as much on places where they need to improve. And linebackers definitely a spot. All right. Where, where's what's your next one? All right. I'll go. Uh, I'll go Big Ten. So sometimes it stinks when you see a phenomenal talent. And a team that, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's not really getting to experience the team success, a lot of individual success. So my, my exercise, when I'm trying to go through these trades, I'm going to go try and save Indiana linebacker to Gray Scales. Okay. All right. I'm going to pull him out. And he's going to get to go to Wisconsin because we just lost uh-huh. Zach, Jack Sitchie. Like it, all right. But this was one of the hardest ones for me because I wasn't sure. Uh, I wasn't sure what Wisconsin was willing to give up because I figured that Indiana could use some help on offense. So tell me if this is too much. I started with uh, former Pitt running back Chris James. You know, uh, yeah. Wisconsin already is losing a lot uh, at the running back position. They're going to be leaning on. Uh, some newer faces, some capable faces, but some newer faces. I felt like they could part with Chris James, but I also threw in one of my favorite players, tight end Troy Fumagalli. So yeah. to, to Grace Gales for Chris James and Troy Fumagalli, Indiana, Wisconsin, Big Ten trade. What do you think? Wow. So you are you are bulking up that Wisconsin defense 
and stripping down their offense. We still have up- we still have Jazz Peavy. We're gonna keep Jazz Peavy in the house for sure. Still got Jazz Peavy, but now Wisconsin is pretty thin at running back. Yeah, Taiwan Deal has had a lot of injuries, um, and they've uh, Bradrick Shaw is. I mean, he's your guy. He, he may win the job anyways. So potentially it's just a backup running back. But still, it's a it's a it's a depth issue now. Troy Fumagalli, here's the like Wisconsin. As I've looked at Wisconsin and looked to try to project out how their season is going to go, uh, and like so first week, I know what I was looking at. First week, they're favored by like thirty plus over Utah State. Yeah, and I was looking at it, and I was like, yeah, I, I still think Wisconsin's really good, but are they going to score? 30 plus points like is it is this offense i know paul chris we gotta have a lot of faith in him but is this offense i mean are they gonna be like an ex, like troy fumigali is one of their few explosive threats agreed uh so that i think that would sting them they would be the question i guess that i don't know the answer to because we've talked about this before like wisconsin is just like this next man up like who's the next you know white walk-on from nowhere Wisconsin that's going to you know be their their stud middle linebacker uh so do they have that guy that they're confident in that can can roll in and just sort of not miss a beat behind Jack Sitchie because I I agree that Tigre Scales is one of the best in the the country at linebacker uh so I don't know if they have that what if we drop Fumagalli and we just include two uh, beefy Wisconsin native offensive lineman to now be named. Now we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. <laughs> that's a position, like, you know they've got some guys behind those those dudes that yeah. can just step right in and it be the next man up. Now you caught my attention a little more. Yeah, so, Indi- Indiana could be as well served by getting two beefy Wisconsin beer and cheese field offensive linemen uh, as they could by getting Troy Fumagalli. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Indiana, yeah, that's an area where – They've got some, you know, they they just don't. And then, you know, Greg Fry, I think, is a really good offensive line coach. He's in Michigan now. He's developed well at Indiana. They've had their fair share of NFL talent at offensive line. But to get maybe like two of those just big dudes that can come in and just be Wisconsin-y for Indiana, then I think now now we got a trade that, I, that can get me excited. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I got one more left. What uh, What do you have? I got two more left, but only one that I'm. I, I got one's USC OU. USC gets backup quarterback Kyler Murray Ooh. because I think that they the the one Achilles heel for USC is um, the one Achilles heel for USC is their their backup quarterback situation. Like I think if if Sam Darnold gets hurt, I think they're in trouble. I don't think they have anybody that can really keep them afloat for a couple weeks. So Kyler Murray certainly would provide that, and Oklahoma's got a pretty good backup in, in Austin Kendall behind him. Um, so in return, OU, which has a loaded offensive backfield at running back, they give Oklahoma, via Malapiai, who's their young, talented running back out of Hawaii, gives Oklahoma what I think would be their starting running back, because that's an area OU has not really reloaded that well this year i don't think i don't think they got a guy that's that really is a, is a, a bell cow so it's it's a trade in backups that i think doesn't really hurt either but but really boosts, dramatically helps yeah both. all right i like that a lot um all right and then i got one more after yours okay 
it's a rivalry one and I need I actually need help. I'm 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 coming to the negotiating table. I'm gonna need the uh I need mediation on this one. All right. So I think that Georgia would be willing to send Sony Michelle to go play for the Gators. And I think the Gators would be thrilled to get Sony Michelle into that offensive backfield. But do you give up Tyree Cleveland? Do you give up Brandon Powell? Or is Sony Michelle so good that you've got to put together a package here? Uh okay. Well here so my question on this one, I agree with with that that Florida would I mean, is is one area that Florida has do at you, least do you depth like Jordan's running back? Do right? you like Jordan Scarlett? I don't like him as much as Sony Michelle, yeah. but I I I like him. Um, you know, and they've got Lamichael P. Ryan. They've got is Mark Thompson still there? I guess he's still there. Uh, I mean, they've got a bunch of guys in the backfield. Um, but I I like where you're headed because I mean, Florida. I mean, Georgia would kill for a Tyree Cleveland right now right that's yeah that's I was thinking like Florida running back Georgia wide receiver that was that was kind of where I was going for the for the team needs they've got to figure out yeah they got to figure out something to package together to get Tyree Cleveland and I'm not saying that I mean Sony Michelle is absolutely worth the Tyree Cleveland trade I'm just wondering if Florida thinks Sony Michelle is enough of an upgrade from there like sort of backfield by committee to make it worthwhile giving up their former five-star receiver. Mm. Uh, So in that sense, I wonder if like, you know, maybe I wonder if, if a would Trent Thompson or, or, or maybe Julian Rochester be too much for a Tyree Cleveland's, uh, Ooh, they need help at linebacker. If we're going to go with the big names, then you go Sony Michelle and Roquan Smith for maybe Sony Michelle and Roquan Smith for like uh, you know maybe a Lamichael Piran just to to replace the the depth and then and Tyree, Tyree Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, I think that's now, it. Yeah, now I think we're yeah I think we're onto something there. Yeah, because oh, they've man. got enough. They've got some guys. I mean that that receiving core is already like really deep. Um, but but here's okay so I, I approve stamp approve that trade but ultimately what does Florida really need that what do they all I mean what is the, oh it's like it's, if, it's quarterback baby it's quarterback <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay so here's so so bear with me on this trade I'm gonna ship Malik Zaire back home to Notre Dame and get Brandon Wimbush back to Florida. Now, now Florida's got their quarterback. Notre Dame has Malik Zaire back, who they were planning on starting last what last year, right? Yeah, yeah. last year he was the starter at the beginning of the year. So clearly there's some level of confidence there from Brian Kelly. And in, in addition to Malik Zaire, uh, Notre Dame gets Jabari Zuniga. Ooh, good pass rusher. Who's like, that's what Notre Dame's defense has been missing for the past what five years like they just they can't they can't get a pass rush yeah and so now they've got Zuniga in there who can who can get to the quarterback and yes they're downgraded some at at quarterback with Malik Zaire but you know 
he'll know the offense a little bit more. He'll know the personnel. They've got good personnel around him. That I, this one, I'm I'm genuinely curious if you think that this is a worthwhile trade because that I don't know. Like that's I think Brandon Wimbush would make all the difference at Florida, but is Belik Zaire too much of a downgrade? Even though he, they were willing to start him last year at Notre Dame and. Uh, and in losing Brandon Wimbush, like you're getting Jabari Zaniga, but you've even mentioned like the arrival of Mike Elko. We're hoping that for Notre Dame's sake, that that'll bring some changes. Right. And I think the other thing at play at, I mean, I think Notre Dame, they could use some help on the back end at safety because that's an area that Mike Elko is, will develop, but they could use some talent back there right now. Uh, they didn't really develop. They didn't really bring in a pass rusher, but Mike Elko knows how to get pressure on the quarterback uh, without having that sort of freak on the edge. So there's some ways that Mike Elko can, can game this to to get be successful. But but he man, they could really use a pass rusher like that. Um, I just don't know if that's that's if Brandon Wimbush is too big of a price. Ah, uh, yeah, and you know who ultimately says no to this is Malik Zaire. <laughs> yeah that that'd be an awkward uh, <laughs> a sheepish walk into the locker room there like what's up guys hey <laughs> sup coach yeah let's yeah. go review the film now <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right that's a lot of fun i like that good 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 trades all around the, that was fun the uh the Award-winning closing segment question of the day focuses on the new AP Top 25. It was the preseason AP Top 25 released on Monday. Uh, Barton, did you have uh, top six were exactly the same as the coaches poll? And to me, I would say even the top five seems to be almost unanimous in terms of most college football minds that I talk to. Uh, in, if we were to tear this out than that first little bit. But as you look at the 25 as a whole and even the teams that just missed the cut, was there anyone that jumped out to you as uh, a, a unique ranking, something that made you wrinkle your brow a little bit, overrated, underrated, and all that good stuff? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think <clears throat> I think Texas is, is really – I think it's interesting that they get as much credit as they get. They're, they went 5-7 and seven last year. Um, they've, they've got a new coach who's a good coach, but he's a new coach nonetheless. And we're assuming, I think at, at, at 23rd in the country, I think that that sort of su- supposes that they're going to have an eight and four type of year, which they very well might have. And probably that's what most people predict them to have. But why are we assuming that? Like, I don't know why that Texas is, is assumed to be a top 25 team yet, and, and even behind Teams like that we mentioned, like TCU, Utah. Um, I mean, those those two in particular catch my eye as teams that are have proven more than this current Texas era has proven. And so, I don't know that I. I mean, I, trust me, I get the upside with Texas. I just think that they somehow get a lot of credit. And then the other one that I think is is a little bit surprising. I don't hate it, but Virginia Tech to be twenty one. After replacing a quarterback, um, is I mean that, that that to me shows a lot of respect for Justin Fuente, and 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 what he's just sort of foundationally building at that program. Um, those are two that jump out. I think LSU gets a lot of credit that maybe they don't deserve to at thirteen, um, and I I think that 
you know, the SEC East is going to be uh, fascinating, as I show on, say on every show. But that, those are the main ones. What, well, what, do you, what, what jumps out to you? That, that whole, uh, for the SEC, that whole sort of log at between what, like 10 and 15? I think you got like LSU, Auburn, and Georgia there. I mean, that just that looks like a clog in the toilet that just needs to be broken up. Like, if one team's going to jump up, that's good. I think some other teams are going to fall down. But I, I'm just – I don't believe that uh, that group – you know, it, it just seems to me like a lot of AP voters didn't know what to do with them, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, look, I don't know that I know what to do with them. I think everyone is, is struggling with that. I in, in, ACC, in, in SEC terms, this is a little bit disappointing that there's only one top ten team – I think Auburn is a top 10 caliber team and I probably would pick them as favorites over like Michigan, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, Washington, Oklahoma. Like if they play, I I, if they played on a neutral field, you would take them. Yeah, that's right. I, I thought that uh I thought that you were getting um you know out between 5 and 10 it was there was some some interesting spots where a lot of it is like let's let's you know let's lace them up let's go out there and prove it to me. I thought that Tennessee at twenty five was uh was interesting. I was like ah I don't know about that one. Uh, but Texas is around there too. The interesting thing with Virginia Tech is like even beyond uh, replacing record setting quarterback Gerard Evans, uh, it's it's not having Bucky Hodges. It's not having uh, Isaiah Ford. It, I yeah. mean, you know, one thing that I'm hearing out of Blacksburg right now is that Justin Fuente is, you know, he understands there's a lot of inexperience at quarterback, but he is much more concerned about the the skill positions around them and making sure that even like Sam Rogers, man, big old fullback, oh, short, but like, you know, short, stocky fullback number 45 that was always just killing people out there in the flat and making plays. Like, there are a lot of weapons uh, that helped that Virginia Tech offense be so productive last year that helped them, you know, push Clemson all the way into the, the 30s and the 40s on the scoreboard in the ACC championship game before the Tigers went on to win the title. Like, there's a, there's a lot there. Like, I know, I know that... Um, that defense will be ready to rock, but you know, seeing Virginia Tech at twenty-one only confirms to me that that whole the the group between like fifteen and thirty uh, is pretty interchangeable. Like, could NC like I think NC State could beat Tennessee if they played right? Yeah, I think that they would be favored. Yeah, uh, I, I, <clears throat> there's the, like the, some of those first teams and the other receiving votes. I could see any of them cycling up after even a week or two. Yeah, as I look at this too. The an, another one that I think is interesting is even having West Virginia in there because I, I I mean I you're bullish on West Virginia. Well, I just think it's I am bullish on West Virginia, but it's hard. There, I'm just so surprised that the AP is bullish on them. I guess I mean they're they're 22nd in the country, and I don't know. I think that there's I am like so we've we got our Big Twelve expert picks that are coming this week too and as bullish as i am on west virginia i think i picked them like seventh like i think i think i picked them seventh and that's not and i I could see them as high as like second or third i don't know i just think that that could also be a seventh where they're four and five where like everybody in the final standings that is uh like fourth fifth sixth and seventh aka half of the league is either five and four or four and five yeah, yeah. I mean, the Big Twelve is going to be a 
uh, it's going to be brutal this year. I really think that's a good conference this year. Um, he, who would take out two and replace them with two? What, what would what would you do? Take out two. Take out two for the top twenty-five and replace them with two in, Ooh, outside the top twenty-five. Okay. Um, I would definitely take out Tennessee, and I would take out. Uh, I yeah, I mean, I would do Tennessee and Texas. I, I what if I just took out Florida? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's keep the streak alive, man. We've been on like three straight so straight. We've been hating. Oh, how about this? I, I'm I've been selling. Uh, I, I will be proven wrong in this one, and I do think that they'll beat somebody. But I'm uh, I'm feeling a little less bullish on Kansas State than I was maybe two months ago. Oh, really? Is yeah. something changed? No, it just too just, much. Just too, too much just time to gut. think about it. Yeah, too yeah. Much, it's it's two things: too much time to think about it, and uh, too much research on the other teams in the Big Twelve. Like yeah. I just I, I think I started in February being like, this is a year. Here we go. Kansas State, everything's shaping up for them. And then, you know, you start digging more uh, into TCU. You start looking around and you're like, I don't know if they're going to be. Uh, how about this? I'll, Bill uh, Snyder got you, man. That's exactly <laughs> what he wants you to do is overthink it. Look at their roster. Look at it. See who, how many names you recognize. And then all of a sudden you overlook them and you're looking over them for the, the Oklahoma State game the following week. And then he goes and, and, and whoops your tail by just running – uh, you know, quarterback power. I'm sticking so. with my guns. I'm going Tennessee and <laughs> hey, Tennessee and Kansas State out, and I'm going Utah and Boise State in. Oh, Boise State, interesting. Uh, see, the, I guess what I was getting at was I wanted I I need Utah in there. Yeah, and I need I I actually think I think Northwestern needs to be in there. Oh, those yeah. are the two. Those are the two that I really think deserve to be in the top 25, or will or at least will be in the top 25 end of the year and i don't know who i'd take out i guess maybe uh uh man this virginia tech west virginia opening game is going to be fascinating uh Uh, so i'll take out west i'll take out mm, virginia tech i guess i think that's fair yeah and i'll take out um i'll take out tennessee to get those two in there all right he is Barton Simmons. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast because subscribers, get them first. Barton, uh, we got we got two more shows this week. We're going to start digging into the biggest opening games. And then before you know it, man, we're going to have to start making picks. Chip, it is preview the actual games time. We're we'll getting into specifics. Uh, man, we're uh, – we're, we're just a week and a half out. Let's do it. Let's do it.